Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the Reconstructing Youth Ministry podcast. The goal of this podcast is going to be to partner with parents of teenagers and really ultimately children of all ages to be able to walk through this uh, issue of raising students, raising kids um, in the faith and all the challenges that that brings. Now, I'm a student minister, so I'm coming to this from the angle of church and student ministry and all of that, but our big desire is to partner with parents. And specifically, today's episode is going to be helpful for all of you who have ever had to convince your kid to go to church. Doug Bischoff is the Next Generations Minister at the Luke Campus of Houston's First Baptist Church. He and I work at the same church. We uh, are also at different campuses. So while we don't get to work uh, together on projects very often, every once in a while our work overlaps. Um, He oversees all of birth through high school, college age, Uh, at the Loop campus, and um, he has history in student ministry, and as someone who's overseeing all of those different ages, he comes with a wealth of knowledge, and so he is going to be answering for us the question, or addressing rather, should I make my kid go to church? And so for any of you who are asking that question, some of you fall on the side of like, well, yeah, it's important. Uh, this This is maybe the most important thing I could make my kid do, so we're gonna do this. On the other hand, there's the, well, shouldn't I give them some freedom, some flexibility? Shouldn't I allow them to want to make that decision? After all, if I make them go to church, maybe they'll grow up to resent it. And I know that's a common conversation among parents. So we're going to dive right in. Thank you guys for joining us on the first episode of Reconstructing Youth Ministry. Doug Bischoff, uh, man, it is so good to have you. Uh, You're my first podcast guest. Man, thank you for being here. Who are you? What do you do? What's your background? Why do you do what you do? Well, that's that's a lot. Well, Mark, <laughs> thank you. I am I am very honored to be your first guest for you and your mom to to hear. So <laughs> um, we're excited. Well, I'm the next gen minister at the Loop here at Houston's First Baptist Church, and so uh, student ministry for 26 years. I've uh, been doing next gen for the last nine. I just I just love kids. I mean, that's what it boils down to is. I love kids, particularly that age of 12 to 18. The adolescent age is just one that really, really hits me. I, um, my wife and I have just come through 10 years of parenting teenagers ourselves. And so now our kids are 22, 21, 19, and 18. Hmm. And so we just got our youngest into the 18-year-old, launched out of high school into college. And so um, we found that we've entered this next stage where it's actually scarier than the teenage stage. I didn't think that was possible, but it is. Wow. And so, um, I'd love to hear more fun, on that. You know. Well, you know, it's interesting because when your kids get to be young adults, you find out uh, if the things you taught them as teenagers were effective or not. So it's kind of like the, the final exam for parenting. Uh, you get to hear if, if you, what you did well and what you didn't do well. But, you know, the good news is God makes up for all of our mistakes. And so at the end of the day, we do the best we can, but we know that God's going to take care of our kids and do more with them than we could ever do. So uh, I always see that as a safety net for me, which is good because I make a lot of mistakes. (laughs) Join the club. Okay. So you recently gave a talk at, um, at a student ministry event, kind of a weekend DNAO situation to a group of parents of teenagers. And that talk was entitled, uh, should I make my kids go to church? And 
I, I got kind of the brief version, but I really wanted you to kind of expand that out here uh, for anyone that's listening, because uh, that is, man, that is a game changer question. I think one of the things is I've learned <clears throat> over over my my learning for through research is that we're keeping a lot of our middle schoolers. Um, high school, you see that major drop off, whether that comes with the advent of a driver's license or just that age group. And then college age, we're really seeing a significant drop off. And so I think one of those primary questions my younger parents or parents of younger students are asking is, is do I make my kid go to church? You know, what's, what's the situation? So I would love for you just to kind of dive into that. Yeah, I, uh, I've been asked this question probably more than any question in 35 years of ministry. Um, how and, and what I do in relation to church with my son or daughter is kind of the, the focus of every parent, I think. And now when you add to this, the research is showing how kids are dropping off and leaving the faith and some are coming back and some are coming back. Parents are even more sensitive to the fact of how do I navigate this road of uh, making my kid go to church or not making them go to church? Um, the thing that I told parents was this. The first question we need to ask ourselves is, why do we go to church? We, we can't make our kids go to something that we don't even know why we're doing. It's a good and point. So um, I think it's important. And, and I think in the church in general, we've just not answered this question very well the last few years. We, our, our best answer is a horrible answer. And that's, well, because you're supposed to. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's awful. And, and no teenager loves that answer, you know because I said so is like the worst thing ever. So um, that's not what we want to say. But I, I think with moms and dads, we have to stop and think, why, why are we even going to church? Why did God create the church? You know, God created the family in Genesis 1. He created the church, as we know it, the New Testament church in Matthew chapter 16. And so what was his intention? What was he after? And I think the fact that, that those are the only two institutions that God really created, government is not a creation of God. It's a man-made creation mm -hmm. um, uh, endorsed, if you will, by God. Uh, we won't get into all the Old Testament survey, but, but really what that leaves us is family. And we need to see church as family, that um, we, we come to church because that's where our family is. That's where our brothers and sisters in Christ are. And the great thing about spiritual family is we don't even have to know them to be family. We can walk in and because we have that in common, there's a bond between us. And um, as I mentioned to you the other day, one of the things I did share with you is, you know, it would be really silly to say to someone, um, man, I love my wife. I love my kids, but you know, I think this year I'm going to move out of the house and I'm just going to focus on the PTA. Yeah. You know, you go, what a, what a horrible dad you are. What a horrible husband you are. And yet sometimes as church people in the family of God, we make those kinds of statements and we say, you know, I'm not going to really be at church much this year because I'm going to focus on the PTA or the Kiwanis or the, you know, the little league or whatever. And I, and I get it. My, you know, we were a part of PTA. We were a part of a little league. Um, you want to be involved in those things, but at the end of the day, your family is primary. It's good. So why do we go to church? Because that's where our family is. Mm. And we need that family. You know, in the, in the current culture, as, as parents parenting teenagers, 
it can be very scary. I mean, it's always been scary. Let's be honest, a parent or kid. But in these days and age, it, it, it can be a little scarier. And so we need that family around us um, to encourage us and to strengthen us. And I think it's where we grow in the Lord. And so the first question is, is really why we go to church. And then once we do that, we're able as parents to really lean into the ways to encourage them to go to church. Um, I was talking to a dad at our, at our campus a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, I really want to plug my son in to church. Um, you know, he was very involved before the pandemic. He's not employed. He's not involved now. What should I do? And I said, well, we have this great weekend event that just happened. Did he come? Well, no. Well, that, that was a, a missed opportunity. He goes, right. yeah, I know. I probably should have encouraged him to. And I think that's one of the great answers for parents is, as parents, we're preparing our kids to be adults. And that means we encourage them to do the hard things. Mm, that's We've good. got to encourage them to do the hard things. And, um, you know, none of us walk into a room of people that we're not comfortable with and instantly get comfortable with them. Even the most extroverted kids have to warm up. They have to build relationship. And so our kids are that way too. And if they're, if they're unplugged, um, then we need to, we need to come and, and encourage them to say, jump in, you know, good. Um, take the chance. And I mean, for, for Pete's sake there, <clears throat> you know, if you let your kid decide what they're going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, it's going to be, it's going to be bad news. It's going to be uh, poor nutrition and all that. If, if you let them decide, you know, you know, if you don't want to go to school, that's fine. You know, just stay home, play video games, you know, and they would take that choice. My kids, I don't know about you. My kids would sure. take that, take that option. And so their brains aren't fully developed. And, uh, and so that's good. So in a, in a sense, we still have to parent, I think maybe, maybe the rub is because they're older, uh, we think, well, we got to give them a little more freedom and all that kind of stuff. But maybe um, what parents of teenagers need to hear is, hold on to some of those reins, especially the most important thing. God's given us this thing in Genesis one. And then in Matthew 16, you know, you've got the family, you've got the church and uh, those two are very important. And so you, uh, maybe you provide fewer options. I mean, in a sense, so, so you would, you would be an advocate. I mean, if, as long as we know, you know, why we go to church, why church matters, why gathering matters, um, that God has given us this institution that, yeah, like we should, we should hang on to that. How, um, how, how did you uh, come to that conclusion? How, like what, what has led you all the conversations and study and research? I'm sure. What are you thinking? What, what are your thoughts there? Well, there's this, there's this thought among parents and I get it. I, I felt this too, is that the things I make my son or daughter do, they're naturally in their rebelliousness, not going to want to do. Mm-hmm. So if I make my child go to church, that's going to cause them to be one of those kids who rebels. And when they get to college, they leave church. And the problem with that is the opposite is true. Mm-hmm. Kids do what we do. And so the problem is not what we say. The problem is what we do. And so if a parent values church then and their kids are seeing that, then yes, absolutely. You should make your child go to church because you're just reinforcing your value. Um, you know, the best research tells us that kids are going to turn out to look like us spiritually. Mm. I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to look like us. And so um, if we're valuing church, 
we should we should reinforce that by saying, look, church is a part of who we are, and we're going to go to church. I was talking to our pastor yesterday, and we were talking about this subject, and he made a very casual comment, but it was very powerful. He said, in my house, it's just not a question. We don't have the discussion because it's just who we are. Now, he can say that because I know that church isn't just a job for him. He's reinforced that value of church to his family, and so his kids receive that and they get it. You know, uh, a lot of us millennials and older, um, we grew up in the should haves. In, in other words, you should you should go to church. You do it because you're supposed to. Sure. Um, if we keep doing that, our kids will, <clears throat> excuse me, will grow up with the shoulds as well, but their reaction to that will be differently. I should go to church, but that's not authentic, so I'm not going to. And so that's why I think we see so many uh, millennials and now Gen Zs that are leaving the church is because the shoulds just don't make it anymore for them. Mm. And so I should go to church is so inauthentic, it pushes them away from it. And so at the end of the day, what, what brought me to that is, does a mom or dad really value church? And if they do, then yeah, you should encourage your child to go to church. And if you don't, you should learn to value church. You know what I mean? You don't go, no, you don't have to go, but it's, I, I, as a parent have to be what I want my child's child to be. And so that's, that's where we get there. Should I make my kids go to church is, is actually step two in that conversation. Step one is, do I value it personally? That's good. That's good. Well, okay. So, um, I, you know, I think we've all, uh, if you've been involved in student ministry for any length of time, I think we talked about this the other day. Um, some of the best parents I've ever witnessed um, have teenagers that end up walking away from the faith. Some of the uh, maybe uh, least connected spiritually parents end up having students that are, you know, all-stars, giving their life away for, uh, for the mission of, of God. And so there's really no, there's no um, code, there's no equation Right. I think, and I think you, you said something like you've got, you've got, it's kind of like the bell curve. You've got these kids on the edge that have, you know, disconnected parents, but they, they turn out to be missionaries, <laughs> missionaries. Why is that the first one? They're the all-stars of Christianity. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> and then you've got, you know, parents who are, who are, you know, super focused, super connected and have kids that are, are, are but, but by and large, um, would, would you, uh, and maybe you can back me up on this. Would you agree that that medium middle and the bell curve is, um, man, if you value church, if you teach your kids to value church, if you teach your kids to value God and, and his authority and scripture that, that by and large, a lot of that gets rooted in and anchored in and, um, that, that it's not an equation, but we do start to see some connection in the, in that, in that meaty middle, you know, or, or, or the other way, if you're disconnected, if you're going to put, you know, Kiwanis or sports, you know, for us, it's, for us, it is sports. Um, I think that's maybe the biggest thing. It's, it's all extracurriculars, but you know, um, Sundays and Wednesdays are practice and game days now. And so um, if they take the option to do the sport, they're going to play the sport and, and they're going to miss out. And so there, there is again on both sides, um, that culture at home of, do we value this or not? Um, do you see that bell curve in, in your history kind of, um, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's a little bit on the other edges. 
I, I think you're exactly right. Um, the, the problem is it's those small tails of the bell curve, like you described, the, right. the parent who seems to do everything right and their kid walks away, or the parent who doesn't seem to even try and they have a missionary kid, a rock star kid. Um, those are the things that get our attention. But unfortunately, they are not indicative of the vast majority of students. Mm. The vast majority of students will end up looking just like mom and dad. And so at the end of the day, if you want your kids to love Jesus, you need to love Jesus. It's, it's not a formula. It's not something A equals B, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Mm. Um, Richard Ross, I give him credit for this. He has said that if you boil all of parenting down to one sentence, it would be this, love God and love your kids. Mm. And if we do that, we get away from all of the, the things that uh, the nuances that scare us to death. You know, should I do family worship? Should we memorize scripture? Should we have a prayer time? Should we do this? Should we do that? And really, it's about the attitude of the heart for the parent. It's not just about their actions, because at the end of the day, your kids are going to see you for who you really are, not for what you do. And so uh, they're picking up your priorities. And, and boy, I get it with the sports. My, I have the, the four kids I have, my two boys, they played a lot of sports and we were at those games. And you have to work to say, look, man, I love you. And I love that you're playing the sport. I, I played sports. I think it's great. We love playing sports. I loved going out when my sons were playing baseball or uh, football or golf or whatever they were doing. I got to walk with my, my son played high school golf and I got to walk the course with him. And man, it was awesome. Hmm. I loved it. But at the end of the day, is that the most important thing? What do you want for your child when they're in their twenties and thirties and forties? Do you really think they're going to be a professional athlete? Well, if you do research or statistics would say you're wrong, you know, they're just not <laughs> probably going to be. So do we, do we waste all that time devoting ourselves to sports? And I don't say waste as in it's a bad thing, but waste if it consumes our life. Sure. When church and the Lord and that walk with God is what we really want for our kids or what I hope we want for our kids. That's good. And so, yeah, you're, you're right. At the end of the day, kids end up looking like their parents. And so as moms and dads, we need to just you know, grab onto that. I always tell parents that's good news and bad news. The good news is, okay, I I know what I need to do. I need to love the Lord. I need to do that. The bad news is I got to get my spiritual act together. Right. You know, and I need to, I need to just focus on my, on my own love for the Lord. You know, that the easiest way to um, help a son or a daughter do something or create a behavior in them is to value that as a parent um, talk to them about it. The best way to get a, a child to stop doing a bad behavior is to talk to them about it. Mm. Um, so, so parents are influential. The, the lie of the enemy is this, you've lost your influence. Mm. They're more influenced by their peers. They're more influenced by the culture. They're more influenced by media. You've lost your influence, your kids and your kids don't help with that. I mean, my kids didn't, you know, they would roll their eyes. Oh, dad, come on. And Oh, I'll be honest, they still do that a little bit, but <laughs> you know, um, that kind of makes you think they don't listen to me. Mm. They don't care what I think, but that is not true. And so I would just scream at the top of my lungs, moms and dads, they're watching you. They're listening to you. Even in high school, um, they're watching you to see how, how to be an adult, what kind of adult they need to be. 
Gosh, that is good advice. Well, teary-eyed over here, just listening to that. You have not lost your influence. I think every parent needed to hear that. That's good. Is is this? Um, let me ask you. Is so you're you've been on church staff for a while. Is this uh is this nuanced for staff kids? Uh, you know what's it what's it like? You've had kids of your own raised in the church, and on some levels, there's maybe expectations or 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 what is this is this conversation nuanced? Um, or is there anything special that you would say to um, church staffers that have kids that are growing up in the ministry? And you're doing your discipleship at home, but also there's the dads on staff, moms on staff. Is that nuanced? Yeah, I, I really think it is. You know, we we hear the stories, the the horror stories of the the pastor's kid. You know, of mm-hmm. just run wild in the church and all that. I think the danger for us on staff is for our Christianity to become our vocation, and we have to be careful that church is not just a job for us. That's good. Um, you know, every, every student, every child, every adolescent deals with this, is my parents' vocation taking away their attention and their focus and their energy and their, and their love of me? Are they giving more to that job than they're giving to me? When that's the church, it just makes it all the harder. And so as a staff member, I have to be even more intentional about saying, okay, I work at the church, but even if I didn't work there, we would go, and here's why. Hmm. Here's the value of the church. More than a paycheck, the value of the church is the people we see, the people we know, the, the encouragement we get, the, the prayer we receive, the, you know, the, the phone calls, the emails, the, you know, all the things that go into being a family um, as a, as a staff member, we have to be even more intentional in that because that competitiveness of, I am a, I'm a child competing with the church for my parent. The enemy can really use that. And so, uh, as staff members, we just have to be extra, extra careful of what we're giving up. I think at the end of the day, and we hear this a lot, but it's very true. At the end of the day, I want to be known as a good dad and a good husband more than I want to be known as a good minister. Mm. Um, and so if, if a late night might make me look like a good minister, but it doesn't help me as a dad, it may not be worth it. That's good. And that's where you, you have to go to a church. And fortunately, for, uh, fortunately, you and I both are at a church right. where they value that. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, I will tell you one thing that I'm, I'm uh, thankful for, and for those who might be listening outside of kind of our context. We're a multi-site church. Doug and I work at the same church, different campuses. And, um, and so my campus pastor, Malcolm Marshall, um, he beats the drum of self-care and work-life balance every week in and out. And uh, he is a hard worker. He is a hard worker. Uh, but when it's time to take, take time off, um, last, I think it was last week, he said, hey, you were burning the candle at both ends and you need to take some time off. And, um, and my family will never say no to that. And, uh, I'm thankful to have a pastor who, um, pays attention to that. I know that's the, the heart of uh, our senior pastor, Greg Mott, who I don't get to see very often, you know, just cause he's at a different campus and I, I see Malcolm all the time. Um, but I know that's the heart of our church and, um, it might be, it might be worth saying that if, if there's someone on church staff, uh, in a different context where that's maybe not a value, 
it's worth paying attention to maybe um, maybe that culture is not healthy. Maybe that's not the place you want to be. Um, so, so that is, that is really, really great advice, Doug, who, um, just last question I have, because you, um, you're giving us all kinds of insight. Who are the people you're learning from? Where, where are you, uh, uh, where are you getting all this from and who are you learning from? Who's influencing you? Who's inspiring you? The, the student minister in me really wants to say Jesus. Course, but, um, of course. <laughs> No, we're we're very fortunate uh, in 2022 to have some great thinkers in the world of parenting, uh, spiritual formation in the family, and that type of thing. And so, um, you know, guys like Tim Elmore, um, mm -hmm. Dr. Tim Elmore has such an incredible grasp on the difference in generations, gener Generation Z versus Generation Y, which is millennials. Uh, what what is going on spiritually with that group? How do we reach them? Um, I would say he has he targets some of what he does for parents and some of his for educators and ministers. And so we, you got to kind of find the right resource for you. Uh, but he has a lot of good things to say. I always come back to Richard Ross, who's yeah. devoted his life to um, the family and to parenting teenagers well. I mean, for fifty plus years he's been doing that and he has a ton of books uh out there that just are very helpful um on on doing that um rob reno and his wife amy have have really become uh, about the last 10 years a very strong voice in parenting in general not just with teenagers but even with younger kids um, they have a lot of really good resources and so try to lean into them um, we have a pastor in our own town, uh, Brian Haynes, who has written uh, a few books on parenting and really has uh, a good grasp on this. And, and, and the way that parenting works in the home and leveraging the influence that we have as parents is really good. Um, and then, to, to be honest, the, probably the, an organization that has really connected well for us is Randall House and the D6 movement, if mm -hmm, you will. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they want me to call them a movement, but at least the D6 organization. Uh, Randall House is a publishing company, but they've really devoted themselves to publishing uh, faith at home type things. And Ron Hunter, who leads D6 um, and Randall House, is it really has a heart for this. And they're putting out a lot of material, especially that's helpful for parents. And so uh, if I were a parent and I was looking for a resource uh, one of the first places I would go is is the D6, uh, D6.com, I think is what it is, and, and just look at their store. There's so many resources there uh, for moms and dads. And I, I would say this, in the midst of all that, you can get lost. You know, Tim Elmore sure. has a newsletter, and Richard Ross has books, and, and Brian Haynes and Robert, you know, all these people have so many things going on. Um, I just want to come back to this at the end of the day nothing is greater than our own relationship with the Lord. It's good. And, and God wants us to, to parent out of the overflow of our heart and not just do what we read on a page. Now, hopefully what we read on a page encourages us to uh, lean into the Lord, um, to, to trust the Lord. Um, we, we can't control the lives of our kids. Um, it's, it can be a very fearful uh, job to parent a child. 
But at the end of the day, we have to trust the Lord with our kids. That becomes so very real when they graduate from high school and then go away to college. And, you know, I have four kids and I can tell you what states they're in right now, but that's about it. Mm. I don't know where they are. I don't know who they're with. I don't know what they're doing. Um, and I have to trust God with that. And so as parenting, as parents, when we parent, it's really about learning to trust God with our kids and trust that he knows what he's doing and he can take care of them. And so just to help moms and dads take a little pressure off, I would say God's greater than our mistakes. Oh, that's good. So we do the best that we can and that will be good enough because God in the end is the ultimate parent and he knows what he's doing. And so he comes behind us. He's our safety net. Um, when we get it wrong and we will, we all do. No, there's no perfect parents. Um, we just trust God to be the one that, that works them through. I've seen God do things in the lives of my kids as adults that I just totally screwed up as a parent. And he still has been able to teach them and help them and grow them. And so, um, you don't do it alone. God really takes care of you, but we lean into that and he does a great, he does a great job of it. Mm, that's good. Well, let's pray and go home. Gosh, that's all I needed today. <laughs> well, that's thank you, Mark. Right I, I just want to say, brother, I appreciate you so much. You are doing such an incredible job mm. uh, at your campus. Um, you are so good with kids. I've, I've done this long enough to know who's the real deal and you're the real deal, brother. And, and I'm proud of you and I'm proud to know you. So thank you for letting me be a part of this. Yeah, well, I appreciate you. Thank you for your influence. Thank you for the kind words and uh, appreciate you being our first guest. This is great. So I love th it. Thanks yeah, for what you fun. do, man. Thanks again for listening. If you've got someone that could benefit from this conversation, would you do me a favor and click the share button and send that over to them? It might be a parent who's got a teenager. It might be a youth pastor, uh, whoever it is, I would love to get this conversation out there. We have some incredible conversations lined up with some folks, and I can tell you that some of the topics that we're gonna be covering here in the next few months are around the idea of how to talk to your kid about sex depending on their age. I'm gonna be talking with a student, a former student of mine, who has decided that Christianity's not for him. And we're gonna talk about his experience in youth group and the good, the bad, and the ugly of that. Uh, we still have a friendship and he's agreed to come on the podcast. And so that is coming up as well. We're also going to talk to someone about what parenting looks like for someone who's just had their kid move out and move out on their own. So click the subscribe button and then click and share this with someone who would benefit from this conversation. We'll see you again next month.